the people here as we break the bread of life and as we study together your word, I pray that you would bless it. God, and if there's any here that's lost and undone on their way to hell, Lord, I pray that you would draw them uh, before it is eternally too late. We love you. God, we thank you. We'll give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Psalm 4. Psalm 4. Stand when you find your place, if you will. Honor and reverence of God's word. Psalm 4. As we continue this series of praise him. Songs praising the Lord and maybe finding your song. And last week we looked in Psalm 3. Considering confidence and chaos. Amen. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. Confidence and chaos. And so we'll wrap up that thought of confidence and chaos tonight in Psalm 4. The Bible says, Psalm 4, verse number 1, Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity? And seek after leasing. Selah. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed. And be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. And put your trust in the Lord. There, may, there be many that say who will show us any good. Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou. Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. God, we pray tonight that you bless this word. I pray, God, as we study together, you would... Uh, fill us up. Lord, I pray that we would grow from it. God, not just being a Sunday Christian, but Lord, uh, to understand and know that the chaos of life, it is 24-7. God, it's around the clock and it, it never ends at times. And we pray that you would just give us the peace and the confidence in you in our chaos in life. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. We saw in the, the, the last chapter, or the last psalm, back in Psalm 3, we saw David in his walk and his endeavor uh, fleeing from Jerusalem. Absalom, his son, has turned on him. And uh, many believe, and I believe that this is a, an attachment to that situation as they continue in uh, conversation about uh, conversation between David and God, continuing in the situation that came about with Absalom. And as we studied last week and we saw how he, uh, David pleased to the Lord and he, he proclaims the Lord and he uh, is, is, is praying to God and thanking the Lord that he can have confidence in the chaos of his life. And his son turns against him and his son attacks him. And I believe uh, many say when you read maybe different commentators on the, this chapter or this psalm in Psalm 4 uh, that it's the evening psalm. Maybe his psalm possibly uh, before he went to bed <coughs> that night or during that situation. And I don't know exactly, but I, I know that David is going through this storm in his life. And while this chaos is coming around him, he once again exemplifies his, chaos, or his confidence in this situation. In verse 1, he says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness, 
thou, <coughs> thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Praise the Lord that he will lift us up. God will pick us up. He will uh, uh, restore our strength. He'll fill us up with his spirit in a time of chaos in our lives. We see people, and it, and it scares me to death. You ever been to a funeral, and you know this person that's laying before everyone it was lost. They didn't know Jesus. Um, or maybe they uh, died under a very tragic circumstance, even Christian people. But the people that are standing around them, the friends and the family, you know without a shadow of a doubt because you personally know them, uh, they don't have a testimony for Christ, that they're not saved. And some will say, inevitably, uh, if you get in a Christian circle of people talking, somebody will say, I don't know how people do it, without Christ. I, I promise you they can't do it without Christ. We just, in the, in the mind, it's just a sense of, uh, of a mental, maybe a mental pat on the back of everything's going to be okay. I'm going to think positively. I'm going to uh, just, just have good thoughts and, and, and people will offer their good thoughts and I'm thinking about you. But, but what David is saying is in his distress and in his situation, it's God that lifted him up. It's God that's picked him up. It's God that's enlarged him. It's God that's exalted him. And when you see a, uh, we think about going on to that heavenly home and uh, it just gets sweeter when you have people you love that go on. That promise of heaven just gets sweeter when you know I'm going to get to see mom and daddy one day. I'm going to get to see grandma and grandpa one day. Sister, sister-in-law, brother, brother-in-law. I'm going to get to see them again. It gets sweeter. That's, that's, that's what I like when I'm standing behind it beside a casket. That's what I like when I'm standing over someone that's gone on. God enlarges us and, and gives us strength in these times of difficulties. And I know that maybe necessarily not what this is talking about, but I believe that ties in with our heavenly home. It's God that uh, you see, see someone in a, in a distraught situation. I don't know how the world, I don't know how people do it without Christ. I, I understand. They don't. They think they do, but they don't. The only way you do it, the only way you're enlarged, the only way you're exalted, the only way you're pushed through in the trials of this life is by the mighty hand of God. He goes on, he said, when I was in distress, have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. David's life and his situations that he went through, it made him a praying man. Amen. For all the faults that David had, his difficulties made him a praying man. Tying back into last week, the experiences that he had, I think, uh, I'm going to tell you what, an old bear comes running up on me, an old lion comes running up on me. I go stand before Goliath. I deal with a situation with Saul. I'm running away with somebody that wants to kill me. I sin with Bathsheba and realize that I've killed a man and, and my son dies because of my sin. And I'm, I'm in all this mess that David's in. I believe that will create a praying man. That will strengthen someone, uh, hopefully, to the point where... I'm, hey, Lord, I'm going to talk to you. Like I said last week, uh, you know, you get, you're get you young and you think, well, I, you're a little proud and things, and then you realize, I'm going to let God fight the battles. David said, I'm coming back for your grace. I'm coming back for your mercy because you've picked me up before. You've lifted me up before. Hear my prayer once again, Lord. Hear it again. I'm coming back to you. I've stayed in communication with you, and I'm going to talk to you again. Hear my prayer. He makes another call to God. Verse number two, he faces a disparaging enemy. Now, these in, this enemy that he had, I, if you, uh, uh, like I said, I believe that, that it, it, it could very likely be tied in with Psalm 3 and the situation with Absalom and where all of this nation had turned against him. It was his own people that turned against him. They were disparaging against him. That was uh, it, nothing more just debilitating and, and hurtful than your own people turning against you. There's no hurt like church hurt. Amen? Amen. There's no, no hurt 
like church hurt. And, and David, in a sense, I believe when his own people have turned against him, nothing hurts like that. God made David the king of Israel. Amen? Where, back, back where he, he, he says in verse 4 of Psalm 3, and he says it in Psalm 2, uh, uh, where he references the holy hill. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. God was king of all creation, but the holy hill there in Jerusalem, God put David in that holy hill. Yet the people God put David in control of have turned against him. What a shame that is. What pain that must bring. That's a disparaging enemy right there. That hurts. How wicked could someone get that they would turn against the man that God put in, the, in, in, in that position? Man, that hurts deep. That's painful. That's, that's a, a deep, deep cutting pain. A disparaging enemy. And then in verse 3. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. He serves a delivering God. He's reminded that, hey, I'm facing this enemy, but I serve a delivering God. I serve a Lord that knew from the foundation of the earth the, the, the path that I was going to walk. I serve a God that when, I, when, when I'm walking down that hill away from Jerusalem and I'm going down through that Kidron Valley and I'm down in that valley once again and I'm away from God, the presence of God has gone away from me, I know that it's the Lord that's put me here because I have sold myself out to him. David's saying maybe in his heart, I've given my life and I've given my heart to God. He's not going to leave me. I told Shelby this morning, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread, Amen. He knew that. Like we said last week, he's down in that valley down there in Kidron. That's so beautiful. I might, I'm, I'm just going to hit it again, Sam. He's down in that Kidron Valley, and he's down there away from the presence of God. The ark has been sent back up to Jerusalem, and he's down there looking back up at Jerusalem, but he's close, as, close to God as he could be. He's closer to God than he would be up in Jerusalem because God allowed him to be down in that valley. Lord, I'm, I'm facing a disparaging enemy, but I've got a delivering God. Praise the Lord, we do. We've got a God that will deliver us from the pain of this world, from the hurt of this world, from the, the difficulties of this world, the situations that we'll face. We are, we're serving a God that's delivered time and time again. He delivered Israel out of Egypt. He delivered uh, the, the Jews and the Gentiles from the law. He delivered me from my sin. He delivered the brother from, his, from going to hell back in the 1970s. Praise the Lord. You can find the day that he's delivered and he's been doing it since the beginning. Praise the Lord. We serve a delivering God. And in confidence, in chaos, David says, the Lord will hear when I call unto him. Amen. You know why? Amen. He asked him, back at verse 1, he said, hear my prayer. Hear my prayer once again, oh Lord, I'm coming back to you. I'm praying again. Will you hear it? Hear my prayer, Lord. And then when he faces the world, he says, I know he's going to hear my prayer. You know why? Because he's heard it before. He's delivered me before. He's filled me before. He's touched me before. He's blessed me before. Amen. Amen. Delivering God. A delivering God. Praise the Lord. Man, if this world could just get but a grasp of this. Just a touch. Just a touch of the truth found in this. He goes on in verse 4 and he says... Well, actually, let me stop. Back in verse 2, at the end of verse 2, he says, Selah. He makes a call and makes, once again, kind of a, uh, he makes another, he makes a complaint known again to the Lord. 
And he says, Selah, he transitions again. He makes that pause, as we've said. He pauses, the mindset change, makes a transition. Back down to verse 4. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still, Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Now, David here, he's, he, he, he's showing his care for his enemies. Like I said, I believe it's, it's Israel, it's his own people, it's the people that God gave him to be the king over that's turned against him. And I got to thinking about that. And I got to thinking about, you know, we think about the enemies in, in the Bible. We think about good and bad, and it's pretty cut and dry. We think about black and white. There's good, there's bad. Sometimes, you know, it's not hard. You hear a story about the, uh, the, the Israel slaying Philistines. You just pull for Israel. Praise the Lord. It's easy to take an enemy and just dehumanize them. It's easy to look at an enemy and take away who they are. It's easy to take an enemy and us not have any connection to them. But David was the man that was called to be the king of these enemies. It wasn't, it wasn't just the, the Philistines out in some ungodly camp on a hill somewhere far away. It was his own people. It was people that he loved. It was people that he known. It was people that God had called him to lead. It was people that God had, had given him the opportunity to be the king over. He doesn't say, Lord, smite down your fury and rain down fire on them. He doesn't. He shows his care for his enemies. He, he prays for spiritual reformation. Verse 4, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. He's telling them, I like where he says that, commune with your own heart upon your bed. He, he's telling these enemies, go find a quiet place and commune with yourself. Seek out, and as I told you this morning, I don't want you to believe things just because Josh said it. We ought to believe things because of what the Bible says. We ought to believe things that the, the Holy Spirit guides us and gives us the discernment to believe. Don't believe it just because of me. David's saying, he, he didn't come and say, hey, I want you to have spiritual reformation because King David said so. I want you to commune with your heart and seek out uh, God and find where you stand on this issue. Are you going to stand with Absalom against the king? Or are you going to, you're going to turn back to God? It, I think it's a blessing when, when, when people, and Christian people ex especially, they care for their enemies. Care for their enemies. Because you know what? When I look back, as I've said before, the pit that I was dug out of, my goodness, makes me ashamed. The wickedness and sin involved in me and who I am, Man, Lord, you've forgiven me. You've been just to, to forgive me. You've shown me grace. You've shown me mercy. You hear my prayer. And Lord, I'm not going to waste this prayer asking you to rain down hellfire on these people. He's telling them, find spiritual reformation. Commune with your own heart. He had a heart for them still. That's a sign of a good leader right there. Is even somebody turn against them to pray, Lord, Touch their heart. Lord, draw them back. Or to tell them directly, seek out the Lord. Seek out the Lord to give them another chance. David didn't let hatred consume him. He said, commune. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Verse 5. It says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness 
and put your trust in the Lord. He, he prayed for spiritual reformation for these people, and then he, he prayed for sacrificial repentance. Sacrificial repentance. You know what he was kind of, in essence, praying for, I believe, is salvation for these people. Lord, they're turning up against me. They're attacking me. They hate me. They, they've turned with Absalom. They've, they, they don't like me anymore. They've, they've run me out here and into this valley. They've run me up here into these mountains. And, but, Lord, I pray they'll get back in communion with you. He says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. He didn't say... I'm your king. Give me an offering and turn back to me. There's been a lot of kings do that. You read through the history of back especially the feudal times or medieval times. You do something against the king. He'd take a finger. He'd take a hand. He may take your life. He'd take your family. He'd take your land. Burn your house down. You got to do something for penance with the king. David didn't do that. He said, Lord, I'm coming to you and I'm praying for sacrificial repentance in these people's lives. Sacrificial repentance. And also, I'm praying for scriptural redemption. I want them to turn back to you and sacrifice back to you. And I'm praying that they get right and they get redemption based off of what your word says. Not because of what David feels and not because they turn back to me, but Lord, that they would turn back to you. Amen. Man, how we could change the world if we could look at the people that do us wrong day in and day out, the people that turn against us, the people that, that, that are up in arms against us, the people that, that, that scoff and the people that turn against the work we're trying to do for God and say, Lord, I pray that, you, that they would have spiritual reformation. I pray, God, that they would change their hearts. I pray that they would get a, in a quiet place and they would get back towards you. Or, Lord, I pray that they would sacrifice back to you and that they would get right and they would plead the blood or that they would get saved. Lord, I pray that, that they would scream scripturally get redeemed, that they would get back to, to, to what it is to know you. But so often, well, what do we do in, in the trial, in the chaos? Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Now, David, he made his complaint. He said, verse 2, how long will you turn my glory into shame? He's kind of wondering, how long is this going to go on? But he turns to him and he say, says, Hey, I want you to get right. I want you to get real. I want you to get redeemed. Why? Because he, he had a spiritual investment in him. That's who God called him to shepherd. That's who God called him to love. That's who God called him to lead. David cares for his enemies. Finally, he cast all his cares on God. Verse 6 says, There be many that say who will... Show us any good, Lord. I like this. Lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. He cast his cares on God, and he asked for encouragement from God's presence. Lord, shine on me once again. This is the, the, this is the key to having confidence in chaos is being, hey, you say your peace, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know how long this is going to take, but I'm going to make a transition to a spiritual mindset. And Lord, I know you'll deliver me. I'm going to pray for my enemies. And Lord, I want you to cast your presence upon me. Seek me out. You know, when God's light's shining on me, it's hard to be the part of me I don't want to be. I wish I wrote that down. I don't even remember what that was. But when God's love and God's light is cast upon me, it's kind of like, hey, I'm going to tell you one a secret to sin. You want to know the secret to defeating the sin in your life? 
Get it out there. Confess it. There's a lot of mold and fungus. You get it out in the light, it ain't going to grow. Lord, cast the light of your countenance upon me. Shine upon me, Lord. Hey, he was in the right, wasn't he? He didn't do anything wrong. He had gotten right with the Lord. He had been serving God, but now he's going through a valley. He could have sulked up. He could have got mad. He could have got angry. But he remembered, Lord, I've prayed through before. I'll pray through again. He recalled that he serves a living God. He had mercy and he had, he had grace, the grace that God had showed him. And he's shown that on his people. You know, I think that sin with Bathsheba, Lord willing, we'll get on. I, I've got a, uh, I, well, I believe, a wonderful series of messages about when a man loses himself, about the life of David. He loses a lot of things in that sin with Bathsheba. He lost control of himself. But I believe when he got right with God, God sent Nathan the prophet. He got right with God. And he, he knew what mercy and grace looked like in that, that part of his life. I believe that was a trial he had to go through before he could have confidence in this chaos. He had to go through that trial. He had to understand and realize the mercy. And Lord, I'm going to impart mercy to these people that stand against me. Because you've shown mercy to me. Should we not walk and live that every day? Man, God's shown me such great grace and mercy. But he says, Lord, I need encouragement from your presence. In verse 6, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Shine on us, Lord. Should we not be praying that for our nation? Should we not pray that for our church? Should we not pray that for our families? Lord, shine your light upon us because when your light's shining down, it's hard for that sin to grow. When your light's shining down on me, it's hard for us to have divisions in the church. When your light's shining down on me, it's hard for us to have chaos in our nation. That's where we fell off. That's where we fell off as a nation. That's where we fell off in our homes. That's where we fell off in the church is because the light of God has been, been blocked out by the things of the world that we build up around us. We don't want that light shining in. You know, America's built on Christian standards and Christian beliefs. I mean, but yet here we are. Why? The light of God, the countenance of God has not shone upon our nation in so long we have forgotten We've forgotten what it felt like. We've forgotten what it was like. And I'm going to tell you what, that was before any of us was alive. There's, there's been a falling away in this nation for so long. God blessed us. God brings us through. God fills us up. What do we do? We turn away from him. Lord, I pray tonight that your presence would shine upon our nation. We hear a lot of talk about revival. I'm not getting into revival. I'm not, I'm not getting into it. My opinion is about everything I'm not. But revival starts right here. I see I, uh, one of my a family member. I see revival going on in them. And I thank the Lord for that. Individual revival. You know what happens? You have individual revival, you're letting the light shine on you. Lord, shine your countenance upon me. You know what happens? That spreads to somebody else. And that spreads to somebody else. And that spreads to somebody else. And before you know it, the whole church is saying, Lord, we're going to take a roof off of this place because we want you to let the light shine down. We've got enough builders in here. We'll, we'll pop the top off this place. Let that light shine on in. And if churches can get a hold of that and let the light shine down, you know what happens? There's a church down the road that'll do it. There's a church down the street that'll do it. Henderson County, Buncombe County, Madison County, North Carolina, United States of America, across the world. That's the only way we're going to see change. And David's grabbed hold of that, Lord. 
I want your light shining down on me. I need individual revival. I need your presence. I need you to touch me. I need you to fill me. He's communing with God. If we would just grab hold of that. Encouragement from God's presence. Verse 7. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. He says, I, I want encouragement from God's provision. Heard a preacher say this morning, dear man, that means the world to me. I was listening to one of his messages this morning. He said, if anybody ever tells you the Christian life is easy, they've lied to you. It's not easy. It's not easy. You've got a mark on your back by the world. There's people inside the church. If you, I mean, they're just an extra side, extra side of bitterness that the, the devil loves sitting on your table when you're a Christian. Towards church people, towards your family, towards friends, towards people in the world. He says, I want encouragement, Lord, from your presence and I want encouragement from your provision. Thou has put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. He's saying, Lord, those times when I've had nothing, but I've had you, it was worth it all. It was worth it all. David, when he got back in communion after his sin with Bathsheba, destroyed lives and people around him, he harmed his testimony. He hurt himself. He hurt the, the presence of God with people that saw him sin. But I believe he goes back and I think, I, I mean, in my opinion, I believe that was one of the most solidifying times for his faith in David's life. And he looks back and he says, Lord, I've had it all and I've had next to nothing. But when I've had next to nothing and I've had you, I've had more than enough. I've been blessed beyond measure when your presence is the only thing I've got. You know, you get married. Sam's, Sam's laughing at me down here. You get married, and you know, having nothing. Me and Shelby, we've got good family around us. We've got people. First couple weeks, Brother Donnie, it's just honeymoon. Everything's good. A little bit of time. Thank you, brother. I'm not indicting him on anything. I'm not incriminating him on anything. But you know, after a while, we've had ramen noodles three or four nights this week. After a while, man, we miss paying these bills. After a while, you start blaming the other person. Me and Shelby, we lived in a little single lot over in Fairview. When we realized the fairy tale part was over, she's never in here when I tell these stories. <laughs> they know this. We was laying in the bed one night, and I was just kind of, I was like telling, telling her, I didn't realize all that comes along with this. I started to smell something. You know, single wide, 
over years, little holes in the trim around the house, there's a skunk got under our house. And it did what skunks do. <laughs> right under our bedroom. And I got in the car. And I was so mad, I called my mom and dad. I said, We're, I'm coming home. I ain't living in this. I'm coming home. We're staying with you for the night. We stayed there for a week before that skunk smell got out of the house. But I was on my way to work that next morning. And I said, Lord, I don't understand. We're, we're missing paying the bills. The money's not showing up the right way. Lord, I don't understand what the deal is. My wife's uh, it's supposed to be this way, and it's not this way, and it's, it's that way, and I don't understand, and it's so difficult. And Lord, I just don't understand. I thought marriage was a blessing. I thought this was going to be the best time of my life. And just to put a cherry on the top, you let a skunk get under the house and just let go all over the, the bottom of the house. I don't understand. You've given me the chance to, to, to be a man and cleave to my wife, and here I am, I can't even stay in my own house. God convicted my heart, and I realized, man, God's blessed me with a wife that's saved and loves the Lord. God took care of every need. Anytime we was faithful and we, we tithed and we prayed and we tried to live right and we tried to do right, when we were, when we were trying our best to live for God, he always provided might have 50 cents in the account, but we got by. Food come from somewhere. You can eat ramen noodles. Amen, Shelby, I'm preaching about you. <laughs> God, you've blessed me tremendously. I've got a good family that supports me. We've got a, a good home to live in. God's fill us with your spirit. And although you sent a skunk under the house, it's just yet another trial I'm going through. And Lord, I'm, I, I found, Brother Sam, I found that I was just as happy with the skunk under the house and the ramen noodles, and no money in my checking account, I was just as happy in that time as I've ever been because God's presence was shining on me. God was touching me. God was blessing me. God was allowing me. He was shining down on me and my family, and although I didn't like the situation I was living in, his presence was shining on me. So, Lord, I want you to encourage me through provision. The time when I've had as much money in the world, the time when I've had as much food as I could eat, the time when I've had the nicest house I could have, I've not been satisfied. You can have a little bit of money. You can have a, a brand new house. You can have a brand new car, and I promise you, it ain't gonna fill you up. I'm not. I'm, I'm not just off on my, on a tangent here. He says, "Who will show us any good? Lord, lift the, lift up thy, the, count, the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased." All the world's getting all these blessings and, and people are getting fat on, on, on things of this earth. But you know what? That's their reward. It's easy to look at people and think, man, look at all they've got. Look at all they're doing. And I'm, I'm hoeing a difficult row. I am plowing some rocky ground over here. It's very difficult for me. I'm so blessed even in the difficult times. You want to have confidence in chaos, pray for the presence of the Lord and pray for encouragement from God's provision. You might not have much, but God's blessed you. That's just how, that's all there is to it. Hey, there's, there's a number of things I can start lift, listing off. I don't have as much as my flesh would like of. But I'm as blessed today as I've ever been. I've got two wonderful children. Raising them in church. I'm blessed with a good wife. I've got a good family. I've got a good church. I've got a good church family. I've got love in my life. 
Lord, encourage me from your provision. And finally, verse 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. This is why some will call this the evening psalm. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Praise the Lord. Like I said last week, like I said last week, Stonewall Jackson, I'm as safe on the battlefield as I am in bed. I'm safe out there as I am in bed. Why? Oh, David, he says, only makest me dwell in safety. You know what's coming to me, Lord. You know what's around the corner. Give me encouragement through your protection, your presence, your provision, and your protection. I'm going to drive home after we get done. And it's easy to drive home an hour and not once thank God for his protection. It's easy. Our last church we pastored in, there was a lady, family, they had a farm down in Greenville, North Carolina. And one thing that encouraged me about that lady, they drove down, they made it home for church services on Sunday, but they went down every week. And about every Sunday morning, you can ask my wife, you can ask my mother, it never failed. This woman would say, I want to thank the Lord for his protection on my, on my life. And our travels... And, and, and one thing that was consistent, she could say, we got home without a hitch. Sometimes she'd say, man, we come through the biggest storm. We dodged a wreck. There was a 25-car pileup in front of us, but, but God saw fit to, to let us get through. The vehicle broke down on the side of the road, but we made it. God's protection, good or bad, in the storm, in the calm. Lord, thank you for your protection. I believe it starts back there in verse 6 where we start letting his presence down on us. Confidence and chaos is presence, provision, protection. Remember these things. Not because of what I said. You got it right in front of you. Take it with you. Write these words on the table of your heart. Your storm hasn't surprised God yet, and it won't. It'll never surprise him. We serve a God that is mighty, and he's never taken off, off guard by what comes to us in our life. That's a beautiful thing. Amen. Brother Sam, would you play something softly on the piano? Just an extension of last week, but that's all right. This chaos in life, it's so easy to find. Chaos in your life I mean, it's, it's, it's about like the minor inconveniences of life. You know, you step in a piece of gum in the parking lot. You stub your toe. That's about like chaos these days. I mean, it's just right around the corner waiting on you. But I believe God wants to give us the confidence that he's still in control. If we just say, Lord, I'm going to let you be in control. I'm in this valley, but God, these enemies that are around me, Revive their hearts. If we'd pray for those people, I believe God will bless us for that. And Lord, let your light shine down on me. Fill me with your spirit. I pray that often, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. I'm nothing without the Holy Spirit. Just, a, just flesh. 
And the only thing I am with the Holy Spirit is a vessel. But a willing vessel nonetheless. And that's what I want to be.